0: Hello, horror fanatics! I'm Frank,
1: and I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Of- oh, the horror. horror!
0: Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy.
1: If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts.
0: You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com and you can check our whole season one catalog you can at ohthehorrorpodcast.com you know why Jen
1: why Frank because
0: it's season two
1: Woo-woo-woo!
0: we're kicking season two off we are and I almost botched it all up right in the beginning yeah I was not doing the pre-flight uh, checklist correctly
1: no it's all right
0: it's all right we're here we are And uh, we were talking about how our coasters fit the topic.
1: They sure do. I
0: have, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus.
1: I have witches be crazy. And? And I put a spell on you. And why? Because you're mine. Aww,
0: (laughs) how sweet.
1: But holy shit, Aleister Crowley.
0: Or Crowley.
1: (sighs) It's Crowley. This
0: is where we're gonna get back and forth.
1: I'm sorry.
0: Episode one, season two. Yes. Alistair Crowley for yes. some. Crowley for the others.
1: I mean, I'm sorry, but Ozzy Osbourne's song isn't Mr. Crowley. <laughs> so, it's, I mean.
0: It's, uh, I honestly, I had no idea what I was getting into. Oh, with I did. This. Like, no, I did because, I mean, we go on vacation to places that are, like, deep into this you we, know? Do. And, we do but i didn't realize how fanatical it was till i started reading not just blog posts but the comments holy cow yeah the so, comments so here we go i'm let's gonna do
1: our disclaimers we're if gonna, you're a huge alistair crowley fan you can just unsubscribe right now or unfollow no, or whatever no, it is that you're listen. doing listen
0: because we were talking about this today because I, I, I wanted to figure out how to, to tell everybody this quickly. So here we go. Okay. This season, we're done with the light stuff. Yeah. Season one was the light stuff. Yeah. I'm going to bring it now. Ghosts, vampires, fairies, <laughs> you know, all that type of stuff. You fairies
1: know. was still a favorite. <laughs> no, fairies is
0: always going to be a, a favorite here in the studio, but. We're getting into the heavier stuff now. And that's where we're like, you know what? Let's just do Alistair right out of the gate. Yeah. And uh yeah. and just basically slam the gauntlet down that this these topics we're going to we're going to bring up topics, but not only bring up topics as Jen and I do so well. We're going to disagree with many of you on it cuz like I said with ghosts, yeah. I had people yelling at me like you don't believe in ghosts and it's like, well, it's not that simple. You know, I'm showing the other side of the episode and I'm showing, you know, and you're getting way too into, and I'm thinking to myself, like, they're getting into ghosts as much? What happens when we get into this crap, you know? Yeah. So So, here's the deal. If you're an Alistair Crowley or Crowley Crowley fan fan. or you are big into Tholema, Uh, if you're huge into that and you disagree with what we're saying on here, I issue you a challenge. Yes. And the challenge is this. Don't hop right on social media and go blah, 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 blah. Right. Email us at OTH at seriouslydecent.com. Tell us where you think we fucked up. Yep. Tell us where you think we have it all wrong. Yep. And if you don't have any kind of a link... Or yes. a source. If
1: you have no source to back up your if you claims have no and it's source... simply just your believies? Yeah.
0: Bye-bye. I don't care about your believies. But if no. you have a source, because yes. here's where I differ, I'm going to say it just for me, mm-hmm. I will read that source.
1: Correct. Just so
0: yes. you know, I have 32 hyperlinked PDFs of his work
1: you, on you
0: my Kindle and on my electronic devices. Yes. So- Feel free to dig deep onto anything you want of his books. I have them at the access. Mm-hmm. However, if you email and just put your beliefs out there with no source, yeah, I don't care. I'm just gonna say it right now. I don't care, and this is future episodes too. Yeah, you come, don't hop don't on come social at me media with just
1: your words.
0: Don't hop on social media and act like I'm not in the room. Yeah, because here's the thing: I'm not in the room. I don't follow on Twitter.
1: Yeah. You don't I, do that.
0: I only post on Instagram the pictures of the podcast and right. co- yeah. connect episodes. And Facebook, my New Year's resolution, I'm out. Yeah. I don't follow anybody. Just you and Sean Adams. That's it. Right. And and basically, I the only thing I'm doing on Facebook is post to the group for the podcast. Right. So you want to bark on Twitter? I'm never going to know.
1: Right. That's all I'm, there is to I'm it. Never gonna never gonna I'm never going to know. Jen's
0: never going to know. I'm not
1: on I'm not on Instagram or Twitter. I'm only on Facebook. So it
0: falls on those deaf ears. Correct. Email us at O-T-H at seriouslydecent.com. It's on our podcast page at com. It is. Or you can message me directly on Facebook. Yes. And like I said, connect it with a source and I'll be more than happy to look into it. Right. So with that being said,
1: my sources. Yeah. I have The Black Arts, it's a book by Richard Cavendish. Mhm. Uh I also have The Occult book, A Chronological A Chronological Journey from Alchemy to Wicca by John Michael Greer. Yep. Uh I also have A History of Magic Witchcraft and the Occult. Um in this one it 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 didn't have um an author per se. There's a foreword by Susanna Lipscomb and uh, the DK publishers kind of put it all together. Mm. So I'm kind of getting that it's like an editor-driven book. Okay. And then the old OG, The Encyclopedia of Demons and Demonology by Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Can I get
0: <laughs> Rosemary Who? Who Rosemary Who? Who's that?
1: Seriously. Do we if, know her? If we're ever going to have a guest, we, I really think it should be Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Yeah. And then I also have um Scotsman.com. It's uh an e article. It's Jimmy Page and his Black Magic Highland home.
0: Mm. So, so again, what before do you we, got? before going back also to the explaining, like if you have deep issues with what we're saying on here and you disagree with it again the email and all that i also want to throw this one out here if you come up with a whole bunch of sources and you come up with a really good claim on it we'll even consider the fact of having you a guest on the show
1: correct yeah
0: so what we're trying to say is you have a forum here
1: you do like we talk about with our fans as
0: you know you have a source
1: yes it can be backed up yeah I.e., verify. You got back your shit up. So if up. you say he turned someone into a camel, I'm going to laugh hysterically in your face because you cannot prove that. And well, he did not turn anyone into a camel.
0: See, I'm going off of different things and okay. we'll get into that later. All but right. I have a zillion sources on this. Okay. And I don't know. I've got all the way from, uh, I literally have 20 tabs of websites on here. Cool. I'm okay. not going to get into all of them, but basically they're all kind of third party. Okay. type of deals because you went through that and then as far as his books i actually did cram quite a few stuff in because i was just quite curious you
1: want to you want to rephrase that
0: <laughs> mucho mas stuffos okay. you know that's better but but basically uh his autobiography okay i didn't read all of it because it's like a thousand pages and it just goes on and on and on and on well but,
1: he strikes me as the person oh, yeah. who goes on and on yeah and on and,
0: and, and on. so i read just key components of that of things that i was driving through okay. in my research so i leaned on that a bit uh another thing i read was some of his poetry because he's referred to as a poet and we mm-hmm. can get into that a bit i also kind of cross referenced some stuff uh with the book of the law okay And, uh, the book of lies. And like I said, 20 other types of sites of people who had their opinions. Mm -hmm. So I went on a website who was like all in on Mm -hmm. Alistair. Yeah. And then I went into a site that was like, Alistair's the devil. He's this and that and all that. Then I was trying to find middle of the road people that like just kind of found him. Mm-hmm. So that was my approach to this. Okay. If people really want to know what my links are, I have them saved. They're right in front of me and I'll, I'll put them up. Right. But I, I'm just going to go with the verbal announcement of, of this point. Yes. If we have time later in the podcast, I can go through all of them, but, okay. but that's really the gist. So I say you kick this off. I was because gonna say
1: I would like to You've uh, got a
0: more comprehensive bit, and I, I think I'll throw in the extra. So.
1: I kind of, if I did this correctly, I went chronologically. hmm Uh Alistair Crowley was born Edward Alexander Crowley on October twelfth, eighteen seventy three, in Lemington Spa, Warwickshire. Mm-hmm. He was born to a wealthy brewer and was a um His father was also, it said he was a preacher, but another source simply just said that they were um, members of a fundamentalist sect known as the Plymouth Brethren or the Exclusive Brethren, and they were like Protestants on crack. It just
0: seems like they were very highly devout. Yes.
1: Um, His parents raised him in a very strict religious home, which shocker... He rebelled at Mm -hmm. Um, his mother was so put out by his antics that she referred to him as the beast. And she chose that after the Antichrist. And he was thrilled immensely by this. And he would later in his later life refer to himself as the beast or And in some way, shape or form figured he went by like 20,000 different things because, you know, that's what you do when.
0: Well, and I think also things were I mean, he definitely had that anti gene in him. Oh, but he was. But I think he would have been
1: punk before punk was a thing because, you know, rebelling, anarchy. I'm
0: going shock jock.
1: Really? Yeah. You think?
0: Yeah. Like, I think he did it for the value. We're, we're, was putting just, the cart, okay. we're putting the cart in front All of the right. horse. But what I was going to add on this section here, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're going to get to it soon, but I think the passing of his father at age 11 or 12 yeah. was a big thing for him. Yes. And he even admits this in his autobiography yes. and, and other writings and stuff, that that was literally like a transition type of phase, and it was a, a period of years with that. Yes. So I think, like, there's obviously something going on there with the mom, which we'll get to that well, later as well. Well, I
1: mean, let's be honest. When you get into, like, why serial killers did oh, the yeah. things they did...
0: Which we're not you, saying he's a serial killer. No,
1: no, but it's kind of the same vein. They yeah. always revert back to, it's either something to do with their mother, something to do with their family life, you know, the mm-hmm. way they were raised, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that very much fits in here as well.
0: Oh, definitely. Because um, they say, like, after his father's death, there was this pivotal Yeah, there turn. was a switch. I'm not saying he was going to be a priest if his dad stayed alive, but,
1: well, but who, we know, did who would know if that, he had
0: that much angst?
1: We did watch that documentary- and they did reference that, you know, he was going to be a preacher like his father or in their church. And then when his father a bold died, statement. it is. It's you a know, very, there's a been a statement. lot of bold statements that have been made in reference yeah. to and or I think by Alistair. And himself. I think that's
0: what makes him overall very interesting. I mean, I from guess. From a summary. Well, yeah, because I mean, like he lived a crazy life. Uh, but the kind of. Enigma slash myth around. He's basically like almost mythological in some areas because there's this interpretation of him on so many levels. Yeah. Which.
1: So let's get deeper in. Yeah. He was into the occult, fascinated by blood, torture, and sexual degradation, which are all great things Mm -hmm. to have. Yeah. Great qualities for an upstanding person, and. As a teen, he changed his name to Alistair Crowley. His father died in 1887, and after his father died, he was sent to the Derbyite School in uh, Cambridge, and there was a particularly cruel headmaster there that made Alistair just, like, hate the Derbyites and anything and everything Mm -hmm. to do with it. He studied for three years at Trinity College in Cambridge, But he did not earn a degree. He wrote poetry, engaged in a bisexual uh, lifestyle, and pursued his occult studies. Because, you know, that's what what you do. He
0: was into mountaineering, too.
1: I get into that a little bit. Um, (laughs) In his first volume of poetry, published in 1898, he foreshadowed his occult obsession and, uh, and excesses with the statement that God and Satan had fought many hours over his soul to which Alistair replied, quote, God conquered. Now I have only one doubt left, which of the twain was God, meaning he didn't know which of the two was actually God. Yeah. In his third year at Tr- Trinity, he formally dedicated himself to magic, where he changed the spelling of magic to M-A-G-I-C-K, and he spelled it with the K to distinguish The science of the magi from all its counterfeits.
0: Well, no, also it was a difference between magicians. Yes. Who are more of like a parlor trick or an act.
1: The counterfeits. Yeah. He also intended to rehabilitate it, whatever that means. Mm. Uh, He viewed magic as the way of life, a path of self-mastery achieved only with rigorous discipline, of the will, illuminated by imagination. Mm -hmm. So upon leaving Trinity, he took a flat in Chancery Lane in London, at which point he named himself Count Vladimir, and he pursued his occult activities full-time. A story circulated of bizarre incidents, perhaps inspired by uh, Crowley's mesmerizing eyes and the aura of supernatural power that surrounded him, It's rumored that a ghostly light surrounded him, which he claimed was his astral spirit. Could have just been the light behind him, but whatever. One flat neighbor claimed they were hurled down the stairs by a malevolent uh, force, and another claimed to experience dizzy spells while climbing the stairs or felt an overwhelming um, evil presence when they were near his flat. Yeah. So in 1898, Crowley went to Zermatt, Switzerland for his mountain climbing, mm-hmm. and there he met Julian Baker, who was an English occultist, who introduced him back in London to George Cecil Jones, a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. At Jones's invitation, Crowley was initiated into the order on November 18th, 1898, and he took the magical motto Frater Perderabo, which means I will persevere. He used other names, among them Megatherion, which means the great wild beast, which he used when he later attained the rank of Magus. Mm-hmm. Crowley was already skilled in magic when he joined the Golden Dawn, and its first order bored him immensely. He received instruction from Alan Bennett, whom he met in 1899, and Samuel Little McGregor Mathers, one of the founders of the Golden Dawn. Mathers taught Crowley Abramelin magic from an old manuscript, the sacred magic of Abramelin, the mage, which Mathers had translated. Mathers, however, believed the manuscript was bewitched and inhabited by an entity. The magic prescribed in this text prescribed a rigorous six-month program conducted in complete withdrawal from the world, after which the initiate would make talismans that would draw money, great sexual allure, and an army of phantom soldiers to serve at their disposal. Crowley intended to undergo this rite beginning on Easter uh, 1900 at Bolskin Manor, his house in Loch Ness, Scott- Scotland. He started the rite, though he never completed it so there was internal fighting in the golden dawn that led to his expulsion from the order in 1900 and he retaliated by publishing their secret ritual material from 1900 to 1903 he traveled extensive, extensively visiting the far east and delving deeper into eastern mysticism in 1903 he married rose kelly the first of his two wives Kelly uh, bore him a daughter, Lola Zaza. Their honeymoon lasted several months. In 1904, they were in Cairo, where Crowley was attempting to conjure sylphs, the elementals of the air. And while in Egypt, Crowley engaged in his most significant entity contact with Iwas. The contact influenced his life and work, um, and it helped to usher in the Ion of Horus. Crowley had a huge sexual appetite and had numerous mistresses, some he called scarlet women, and some of whom bore him illegitimate children. He was fond of giving his mistresses serpent kisses using his sharpened teeth to draw blood. He branded some of his women and eventually abandoned all of them to drugs, alcohol, or the streets. He also tried unsuccessfully to beget a magical child, wherein he fictionalized this in his novel, Moonchild, um, from 1929. Rose descended into alcoholism, and in 1900, she divorced Crowley on grounds of adultery. From late 1914 to 1919, Crowley lived in the United States, where he was unsuccessful in rousing much interest in his message about the Ion of Horus. He kept a record of his sexual activities as one does, mm-hmm. which he titled Rex de Arteresia, the King of Royal Art. Okay. Many of the prostitutes he hired had no idea that he was actually involving them in sex magic. He and his Scarlet women, uh, Woman of the Moment, Roddy Minor, performed sex magic and drug rituals. And by this time, he's, he's addicted to heroin for the purpose didn't
0: they say that uh didn't well i know uh he said at one point or a few points that he got the heroin because he got diagnosed with asthma or he had asthma and his doctor was giving him prescriptions of heroin and cocaine nice for um, for asthma did you read about that
1: uh i did not okay. see it in reference specifically to his asthma and as an asthmatic Little disappointed that I wasn't uh On prescribed the, heroin and cocaine for uh, my asthma.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. you know,
1: maybe things would be a little different. You'd
0: be hanging with Mr. Brownstone. <laughs> he's been knocking, he won't leave you alone. Uh, he, uh, no, but that's that's what uh he many also many others says, stated he says
1: offhandedly that, that the only way to truly evolve in your magic is to be under the, the influence, influence of, of something.
0: Yeah. Some sort so of, that's drug. where I kind of wanted to just yeah. hop in here real quick. And, and I think that's where look, I, I'm fascinated reading about this. I, I love like these kind of different people. Like mm-hmm. I love reading these mm-hmm. type of stories. So I really just couldn't stop reading blog posts and books and, and all that just yeah. about this guy. I, Here's some things I find interesting about him that just kind of trip my, my gut meter, so to speak. Okay. You know, number one, reading his books and others say this, his books are very interconnected and interconnected in the way, like you can't understand this book until you read this book.
1: Right. And you can't understand
0: this book until you read. You got to read them all. You got to read them all. So that sounds a little hinky to me. That you yeah. got to write like 30, 32 books to get your message across. Yeah. And then- uh, Why can't you just and, get your
1: message across?
0: And not one single book can get you a full grasp and all, you know. So it's little, a little parlor tricking there. Yeah. Um, obviously, you had to have some sort of magnanimous like presence because- Yes. These people are, are interested in him. They're drawn and, to him. And drawn yes. to him. And, uh, and, and that I found interesting as well, just period. I, mm-hmm. I find people that have that ability- Extremely interesting. Like, how are they doing this? What are yeah. they? Well, I mean, not everybody uses the same thing, but some of them do. Let's be but,
1: honest. The way people fell into him, and the way people—well, mm-hmm. th- those that actually stayed with him—yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because a lot of people did not.
0: Oh um, no. He
1: reminds me a lot of uh, a cult leader. You know, where they they have that ability. Yeah. They they pull you in, and then either they keep you. Mm-hmm. or all of a sudden they do something that's so outrageous and yeah. you're like, what the actual fuck? And you have that moment of clarity and you're like, okay, goodbye. Well,
0: no. And, and I, I told you this before, and I know this is when like, you know, we're at this halfway section nearly on this. This is where the Crowley fanatics and, and all of them are going to be like cult leader, my bullshit, you know, they're yeah. you know, but the thing is, is, I think he was born in the wrong time. Now, granted, I will say for a fact that he was very instrumental into the '60s drug scene and, yes, the, and the whole he, enlightenment era and all that he stuff. The, of he was the new the
1: catalyst for the for the interest in yeah. the new age, the new the age occult. stuff and yes. occult and all
0: that. Doesn't he takes,
1: make it a good thing. No, it
0: doesn't make it a good thing. But he he. Is a huge pivotal role on that. He now, is. Now, It granted, should also
1: be noted, by the time of the 60s, he's dead and gone. So these are people who are finding oh, him posthumously. Wait,
0: yeah. And yes. that's the problem when you find somebody posthumously. Yes. Because you can kind of architect that out in your own mind any you way can, you want. Be
1: careful and, who you idolize and who well, you, it's not even and idolized, who you hero worship. Even, because, the, th- yeah.
0: even the Tholema um, followers, mm-hmm. you know. There's some that worship him literally as a deity. Yeah. And then there's others that live like the lifestyle per their comfort levels. Right. And and you can do that after the fact of someone being alive. Right. You know, right. that's Scientology at this point. Yeah. To a certain degree. Yeah. Scientology is different. It's a bad analogy, but I always, I told you, I was like, he should have been born if, like, he wanted to accomplish his mission, quote-unquote. Yeah. He should have been born when Elron Ron Hubbard was born. Yes. Because he could have taken advantage of a lot of technological advancement. Well, and here's that, the thing. I kind
1: of feel like they would have been competing for, like, the same audience, if you want to be to honest. To a certain degree. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, Elron Ron Hubbard's a different deal and you know, that's, that's something we'll cover later, later on in the season. However, the, um, I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's culty in a way you got to say it's culty. Um, and the only reason I say it's culty is because this season you're going to hear some terms that we're going to talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. One of them's confirmation bias Yes. and confirmation bias for those who don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know at this point, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the the crowd. It's a well characterized phenomenon, mm-hmm. and it's before any of the recent bullshit the last three years. But but the tendency it's a tendency to search for or interpret information in a way that confirms one's beliefs or preconceptions. Correct. And there's a lot of that with Crowley and Thalema. You know. Well, I mean, and there's, yeah, there's... also cognitive dissonance or dissonance Mm -hmm. and this is a term you're going to hear throughout the year with the theme of us getting into these bigger topics Mm -hmm. and cognitive dissonance is used to describe the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs this is right in the wheelhouse of cult this term yes and it's 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 a conflict and it's a discomfort of holding two conflicting beliefs values or attitudes and what people tend to do is seek consistency in their attitudes and perceptions. So that conflict causes feelings of unease or discomfort. They got to come up with something mm-hmm. to, to make that right. Right. And it goes against all your beliefs. Now, I'll say this with Alistair. You read the fan mail and all the fan comments and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And they all just say, look, he was a jokester, which I'm not going to disagree with. Right. I think the guy loved to joke around mm-hmm. and fuck with people. Oh, I think that was his main fucking MO. Fucking with
1: people, I think, was his favorite activity. Yeah.
0: And, and the thing is, is but the, the fans will sit there and say, but he was really harmless. He didn't do all of this stuff that everybody's talking about. Okay. And they say he was just against the grain. No one liked him. And therefore, they came up with all of this stuff. You know, all this stuff's made up. Now now here's the thing. Now let me run with this a bit, okay. Jen, because I know you want to jump all over this, but yeah. but the fact is is this is where I wanted to bring this up because this is cognitive dissonance when you're this is where you're starting to enter cult zone yes. of of with cognitive dissonance. Yes. Because the fact is is you can't say that the stuff is true of what he was doing. Sacrificing animals. Maybe even there's claims of pedophilia. There's uh, people there's, that...
1: There's a lot of claims. No, but I'm just saying there's him. claims. Yes. Yep. It
0: doesn't matter the amount. There's claims of pedophilia. Mm-hmm. And there's um the way he treated women. Yes. Especially, which to me isn't a far leap. Because now let's talk about how he felt about his mom. He hated his mother. He did. Couldn't stand her. Mm-hmm. And I can say this as a man mm-hmm. grown up at this point. I look back in my life and the times that I didn't really treat women the way I should have Mm -hmm. was really kind of parallel in what I thought of my mother during that time. Okay. Because my mom, you know, had problems with alcohol at times and had some issues. And and I look back at times where I was like, yeah, you know, that was a bullshit way I treated that girl. Mm -hmm. I'm getting really personal here. I'm opening up on this. You know, Mm -hmm. like I look back as a kind of older corrected male, I think you know, to a lot As of degrees a fully
1: evolved man. Yeah. Well, no, I'm still seven
0: <laughs> years old, but the fact is, is like, I look, and there was times where I was like, yeah, you know what? I didn't really treat her right. Not that I beat her up or anything, No, 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 no. but like, I didn't have a respect for her that. And even that I look back, it's like, well, she didn't earn that either, but, right. but I could have just said, you know what? We're done here. Yes. And I didn't do that. Right. It did the exact opposite of that. I yeah. had to kind of make this big show and charade and all that right. stuff. And that's where I see with him like the hatred of the mother. I tell everybody that would be a huge fan of this person is read his poem. Um oh where the hell was it? Son of
1: a bitch. That's on you, it, Mr. It, twenty Tabs. It
0: really yeah, twenty tabs and eight pages of notes with Oh yeah. Um Leah Sublime. Okay. Leah Sublime is probably the most disgusting poem you'll ever read in your read in your life. Oh, great. It's terrible. Yeah. I'm not even gonna read it on here. Okay. It's just it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But it's it shows his lack of respect for women. Right. But if you say that to an Alistair fan, they say, No, that's a poem that's a poem, that's art. That's separate. That's separate from how someone really feels because it's art.
1: Okay. And
0: but my opinion is on this is how do you even come up with those ideas?
1: It's got to come from somewhere.
0: No, and that's what I'm saying. It comes from a root deep place. And especially if he's under drugs and, mm-hmm. you know, the influence of drugs, mm-hmm. he's saying in order to channel the truth, you've got to go through this with drugs. Right. That's my my other grind that I'm going to get to off of this. And I promise I'm wrapping it up quick here. But, but the fact is, it's like, Someone will say, again, this is this cognitive dissonance where you show the poem and you're like, see, he's a sick bastard. No, it's just art. That's just that. Well, what about this uh, thing he did where, you know, and you bring up a uh, bestiality act or something like right. that? No, that's other people saying that. And it's like, that's cognitive dissonance in a cult where you have this picture of someone who is, right. oh, he's just a jokester. He's just they've a trickster. They've got
1: to fit the, they've got it get the facts to fit their narrative at the end of the day. That's not the facts to
0: fit their narrative. It's just the fact that even talking about that and having that discussion is so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because it conflicts with that belief. It should also be
1: noted that, uh, he actually did have a court case where there were actual witnesses who did present evidence and he himself presented his quote unquote evidence. Yes. And, you know i'm sorry but there is a record attached to this guy oh so, yeah
0: it's yet, not just a, again
1: uh, getting back to be careful who you yeah. hero worship
0: yeah you know you might want to really read with an open mind this is going to yeah, be the whole thing there Have the you open go. mind. no instead of going after what you're seeking for yes. and we're going to get into this into the future i there's a reason I'm prepping all this up, because we're getting into cults this year.
1: We are. and
0: cults The cult is a, of the
1: month club. Yeah,
0: and cults is a weird topic. It because is. Because there's things that people are attracted to in cults that they're doing without their knowledge. Yes. They're biologically drawn to these type of situations. Right. And it's unfortunate. It really it is. is. It's, yes. a, it's a real tragedy in human biology okay. and, and the way things are set up. And this is kind of the get the bridge for us getting to that. Right. But what people have to understand with Aleister Crowley is the fact that he was kicked out of countries. He wouldn't even they, the countries uh, didn't even yeah. want him.
1: Germany was first to kick him out. And then I think Switzerland was <laughs> shortly behind them.
0: Yeah. But I mean, but he got kicked out of Italy. Yeah. By Benito Mussolini's regime.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's saying something that's
0: saying something.
1: Yeah. When Mussolini's like,
0: you gotta go. You party too hard. You Bye-bye. know, bye. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> so he and Roddy Minor perform sex magic and drug rituals. And as I stated, he's addicted to heroin at this time for the purpose of communicating with the entity, perhaps a demon, mm-hmm. whom Crowley called the wizard Alamantra, yep. who existed on the astral plane. In nineteen sixteen, Crowley initiated himself. And this is where I have my I- my issues. Yeah, he initiates himself into the rank of mag- magus or magus. Yeah, yeah. In a bizarre black magic rite in which he crucifies a frog. It should be noted that he first blessed the frog as Jesus prior to sacrificing said frog.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, uh, okay. In 1918, Crowley met. Leah Hersig, a New York school teacher who became his most famous scarlet woman. He called her the ape of Thoth. They decided to found the Abbey of Thelema, yeah. a monastic community of men and women who would promulgate the book of the law, perform magic, and be sexually free. So I guess you could say that was like the first um, commune where you just have sex with whoever, whatever.
0: Yeah, and I night- mean, a commune would be a different idea because, like, you're out there and you're building your own community and yeah. you're doing things. So this wasn't even that. This was just a house where they people would had go sex. in. Well, no, and they do go. Drugs. In, they do drugs basically, yeah. and they were doing all this, and the sex stuff was basically like an afterthought of it. And and that's also like, for example, like this was I had to laugh because this gets back to the discussion I was having before, but there was a question on a thread of this woman who was very pro Alistair, you know, uh-huh. going through. And the question on the thread was, like, he's an interesting guy, that's for sure. I read that he encouraged his wife to have sex with a goat. Is that true or another myth? Mm-hmm. And the creator of this whole thing goes, oh, at the Abbey in Cephaloo or whatever yep. it's called, in the Cephaloo. They did all kinds of crazy stuff there. Uh, that even AC, uh, you know, Alistair Crowley, later, later regretted. But he probably didn't have to do much convincing Leah Hersig, who had quite an appetite for taboo sex, uh, to put it politely. Nevertheless, the goat didn't cooperate. Leah was not his wife, by the way. So, yeah. again, this just shows, like, the, again, the cognitive dissonance, the yeah. confirmation bias. Like, yeah. Like, brings it, because... Earlier, like in that whole thread, this author was just pounding people like, you're misinformed. You don't know what you're reading. You should learn to read a book. And like, again, not putting sources, just, oh, you should learn how to read a book. Not what book to read. Just read a book. And and then this guy, I saw this and I was like, this is cool. Where is this going to go? And I knew where it was going to go. Oh, yeah, no, they did some crazy stuff back there. Yeah. It's like, well, what kind of crazy stuff would they do? Yeah. You know. But yeah. you, you don't want to go in it, and that's no. What they I, won't go in it. I wanted it. to bring that up. That's an actual example of the cognitive dissonance. Yes. Of of this man, you know, in this surrounding I, this, and this, this man, this idea, yeah. yeah.
1: So in 1920, uh, Crowley founded an old abbey in Cefalù, Sicily, which he took over and renamed the Sacred Abbey of the Philemic Mysteries. Yes. It served as the site of numerous sexual orgies, magical rites, and many attended by his illegitimate children. Leah bore him a daughter, Anne Leah, who died in childhood. In 1921, Crowley decided that he had attained... Now, he decided he had attained the magical rank of Ipsissimus, which is equal to God. But in 1923... He was forced out of the Abbey after a scandal involving the death of a follower, Raul Loveday. Essentially, Raul was given blood to drink, and the dude died.
0: And then the other story of that is is that there was bad water there, mm-hmm. and he told everybody not to drink it, and he drank it. That's his side of the story. Oh, okay. With it. Okay. Um, but so it's not funny. the blood. Yeah, but it's funny because no one else drank that water. They had kids running around all over the place Yeah, doing whatever the hell they wanted. None of the kids drank the water.
1: Yep, just this, just, just Raoul. Just
0: this guy who conveniently also drank cat's blood.
1: Yes, and died.
0: And died, yeah. yeah. So in yeah.
1: 1929, Crowley <laughs> married his second wife, Maria Ferrari de Miramar in mm-hmm. Leipzig. Her reputed magical powers led, led him to name her the High Priestess of Voodoo. They separated in less than a year when Crowley took up with a 19-year-old woman and Maria entered a mental institution which enabled Crowley to divorce her. Crowley's later years were plagued by poor health, drug addiction, and financial troubles. He kept himself barely afloat by publishing nonfiction and fiction writings. In 1934, desperate for money, Crowley sued sculptress Nina Hammett for libel. Hammett had stated in her biography, Laughing Torso, 1932, Mm -hmm. that Crowley practiced black magic and indulged in human sacrifice. The English judge, jury, spectators, and press were repulsed by the testimony in the trial. The judge stated he had never heard such dreadful, horrible, blasphemous, and abominable stuff. The jury stopped the trial and found in favor of Hammett.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, for those of you who are like, oh my God, he's just misunderstood.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's.
1: Dude lost big time in a court of law because uh, Raul's wife was actually one of the uh, witnesses to testify against him. Yeah. So, in 1945, Crowley moved to Netherwood, which was a boarding house in Hastings, where he lived out his last two years asthmatic, dissipated and bored, and consuming large amounts of heroin. Mm -hmm. He died of cardiac degeneration and severe bronchitis on December 1st, 1947. He was uh, cremated in Brighton, and at his funeral, a Gnostic mass was performed, and his hymn to Pan was read, his ashes were sent to followers in the United States. Yeah, and then he some of his um, noted works that were published was the Book of the Law, mm-hmm. um, Magic in Theory and Practice, uh, circa 1929, mm-hmm. The Equinox of the Gods, circa 1937, The Book of Lies and the Book of Thoth. Book of Thoth is circa 1944. So let's get into Crowley's friggin' ritual entity contacts. <laughs> Iwas is the first one yeah. that's like the big the big name, dude. yeah. So March eighteenth, nineteen oh four, Rose, this is his first wife, suddenly began trance channeling, receiving communications from the astral plane that the Egyptian god Horus was waiting for Crowley. The communicating messenger, Iwas, was an imposing entity described by Rose as an emissary for the Egyptian trinity of Horus, Osiris, and Isis. Go ahead.
0: I think it's worth mentioning at this point that before that, he couldn't cross the astral plane. He was having a hard time with it. And then finally, this woman who he's with does it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not talked he about
1: was, much. He was No, he was actually very pissed that no, I know, she but. got this message and he's like who the fuck is she to get this message? She doesn't she's not a practitioner. Yeah. Why is why are they contacting her? Yeah. Anyway, Crowley considered Iwas to be his holy guardian angel or divine higher self and acting as an intermediary for higher beings such as the secret chiefs which are superhuman adepts of the Golden Dawn. Occultists debated whether Iwas was an entity in its own right or part of Crowley himself. Yeah. For Crowley, the Holy Guardian Angel was a discrete separate entity and not a disassociated part of his own identity. But that's exactly what a person would say when they don't want to admit that it was all in their head. Mm -hmm. Like, they created this. But... Whatever. Crowley said he envisioned IWAS as a male entity, because certainly IWAS isn't going to be female, and one distinctly different than the other entities he had encountered. Now, none of those other entities are specifically named in any of the sources I read prior to IWAS. IWAS is like the first big thing for him. Yeah. On April 7th, 1904, I was commanded that the drawing room of the Cairo apartment leased by the Crowley's had to be turned into a temple. I mean, as one does. And I was ordered Crowley to enter the temple at precisely noon on the next three days and write down exactly what he heard for precisely one hour. Yeah. So I'm getting real automatic writing vibes here from like, the spiritualist time where you just sit there and just move the pencil and whatever comes down, comes down. Or I think one of his personalities took over and essentially told their story. I think Crowley has what we used to call multiple personality disorder. Schizophrenia. Yep. And I think he's got like, Oh, what was that movie where, there was Patricia, and then there was the
0: oh yeah yeah etc. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: and the little kid with the roller skates yeah, yeah yeah and then there was the big tough guy yeah I, I can't remember I personally think yeah that Crowley kind of fits this mm-hmm. um and Crowley ever the good boy did as he was instructed he sat inside his temple mm-hmm. the drawing room at a table facing the southern wall. So he heard the voice of Iwas behind him in a rich tenor or baritone with a deep timbre, musical and expressive in its tones, but solemn, voluptuous, tender, fierce, and like all of these moods are sent to him through these messages. The voice was, quote unquote, the speech in the silence, end quote, he said. Later, he called Iwas, quote, the minister of or, quote, the Lord of Silence, which was, which is an aspect of Horus that was equivalent of the Greek uh, Hippocrates. It should be noted that during the dictation that Crowley never saw a, visu- a visual representation or apparition of I- Iwas. He simply had a mental image. Mm-hmm. So Crowley took Iwas' dictation for three hours, between April 8th and 10th, scribbling in longhand to keep pace with the voice. The sessions lasted exactly one hour each. The 65 pages of handwritten material composed the Liber Leg- Legis or the Book of the Law, which Crowley saw as the herald of the new Ion or a new religion. Mm-hmm. And this would become the basis for the Law of Thelema, which is do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Yeah. So let's get into his vampire demons. So upon his return well,
0: before you hop into okay. that, the do as I wilt thing, that's a that's a real kind of conflicting area with the the people that really are deep into Tholema and you know, because the do as I wilt thing was a big uh part because you're talking about the book of the law mm-hmm. that he uh basically wrote out in these these things here. And the book of the law uh, had basically three philosophical ideas outlined in the book. And it was do what thou wilt shall be, the whole of the law, love is the law, love under will, and every man and every woman is a star. Those are kind of those three possibilities of it. Now, there's, there's two camps in this. Okay. The do what thou wilt. Is a big, there's two camps. Some inter, entertain it and interpret it as just do what you want. Mm-hmm. There's no consequences. There's no. Right. Now the um, the avid followers
1: mm-hmm.
0: will say that it's do what thy will to your true self. You know, so like you have to find your, you have to do what you will to, do whatever that well. is true do, to but yourself, do, do it to find your true self, you know, mm-hmm. so you might have to go through these uncomfortable spots and these uncomfortable positions in your life to find your true self. Mm-hmm. Now there is some meat behind that kind of that statement. Cause you could say, you know, you have to do this terrible thing to find out who you really are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just getting deep on this for a short moment. Like, okay. I, I think, because I think his whole idea, I think he had good intentions underneath everything because nothing like this would just speed up without good intentions. There's, there is good intentions in there. Like do, you know, trying to find your true self. That's not a bad thing. Right. The idea of itself. Now the methods of what he actually did in real life. And this is where it becomes this enigma. It's truly an enigma because you have him as the person of who he is and what he's done. And you have what this idea of his that he pushed off in another direction, but and he mashed all that together.
1: Here's the thing though, he didn't no, he I said, know <laughs> do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. He doesn't say shit about finding your true self or do what you need to do No, to find and that's your what I'm saying self. like that's what his followers came this up this
0: is numerology with words yes is really what it is yeah. because even even uh the tholema is uh if you really get deep into it it's called it's goes to the number 93 like the the words yeah. the words and the founding so now like and th- uh, Thalamites will actually turn to each other and be like, 93, you know, it's like your secret code thing to talk to each other. Yeah. And numerology is a dangerous game to get into because you can make numbers work any way you want.
1: That's true. And if you, you can you think- change words. To match numbers, to get a number that you want, to get what you want.
0: Yeah, no, and that's and that's yeah. what's taking place here with it him. It should also and-
1: be noted that the bulk of Thalema, including the numerology,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is he stole it from Kabbalah. Yes. Like, he didn't come up with this. No. He didn't come up with anything on his own. Yeah. It's all of Hatch. Hodge- he stole the rituals from the... Uh, Order of the Golden Dawn mm-hmm. and incorporated it into his quote unquote works. He stole from Kabbalah. He stole bits and pieces of things that he liked or that he felt worked and just absorbed them and incorporated him into his shit. And then tried to pass it off like it, it's his own unique thought. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for those of you who are deep into Thalema. It might do you a service to just take a peek at the Kabbalah, to yeah. just to just glance at it and realize that the Kabbalah predates any of this by hundreds.
0: Oh, long.
1: Thousands long of time. years. Yeah. yeah. So this is Jewish mysticism that he's just... Yeah, I don't know, appropriated for his bullshit.
0: Well, and I got to laugh cuz again, this is where like the deeper you get into him, you find these inconsistencies and if and and if you can do this without any confirmation bias or yeah. cognitive dissonance, you can see this stuff. Right. So, for example, he wrote out uh the theocracies of antiquity. This is from his autobiography, this is his own words. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. The theocracies of antiquity broke down as soon as their theory was challenged by science. This is what he's saying, like all of these Christianity and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And, um, you know, theocracy, for those who, you know, think they know it, you know, for as a noun perspective, it's a government of a state by immediate divine guidance or by officials who are regarded as divinely guided. And at that time when he was around, Government and religion were interspliced. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you couldn't really be a leader of something, of a country, without having some sort of affiliation Mm -hmm. with um, some divinity. Mm -hmm. But yet the funny part is, is he creates a whole nother theocracy in the Abbey. Yeah. That's where you start seeing the contradictions. It's like, you know, he's saying, oh, and I got to laugh because he says, well, the theocracy of, of antiquity broke down as soon as their theory was challenged by science. Really, was it challenged by science? Mm-hmm. You know, go look into science and say, you know, this is where people say, oh, you know, science this, science that, and everybody thinks something is a science, but it's like, no, science actually has to be a proven experiment. Like it has right. to be a you proven. You have to follow process. the scientific
1: like, method. You have to have a hypothesis, yeah. hypothesis, and then you have to test your. Your, Or create a test. Create a test. So that you can verify if your hypothesis is correct yes, or incorrect. Yes, but
0: it, you also have to do it in a control group. Correct. And you have to do it like there's right. all well, of these steps. Well, you have steps. to follow the
1: scientific method. Well, I
0: just say because like today yeah. we're in an age where science gets tossed around like a $2 whore. Yeah. You know, and, and the fact is, is people have forgotten what the hell science really is. Yeah. Because he'll just throw this, because this is a statement that, like, again, like a follower just, oh, yeah, man, the theocracies of antiquity broke down as soon as their theory was challenged by science. I want any follower, period, to show me how science challenged. Show me the paper. Yeah. Show me the actual white paper or, or...
1: Show me the theocracy that broke down.
0: No, and that's what I'm saying. Show me the theocracy that broke down. Yeah. But... You throw a bumper sticker saying like that, and everybody's like, yeah, and they pump their fist up. I mean, it sounds cool. But like I said, and then what he does is he creates a whole nother theocracy in the Abbey. Yeah. And it's funny, because here's another quote of his, uh, in his own writings, under his own hand. This wasn't, but to me, the Abbey was basically just a mind control camp. Yeah. And the whole idea of the Abbey went wrong. Cult. Well, no, no. It's just the idea of you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Like I'm sorry people need some sort of structure. Structure. I'm they not need, saying fascist yeah. level structure, yeah. but just structure. And he and he goes, of course in practice many people perhaps the majority will not accept the law of thelema. And that's the book of law, those the three of the law. F- those yeah. three philosophical things I just brought up. He goes, we found that life in the abbey with its absolute freedom was too severe a strain on those who were accustomed to depend on others the responsibility of being truly themselves was too much for them. Mm-hmm. But sooner or later, without any action on our part, without any quarrel or ostenable reason, they found themselves ejected into their previous condition of servitude. Now, the funny part is, is the book of law anticipates this. The slaves shall serve. Yeah. The bulk of humanity having no true will, will find themselves powerless. And here it is, right here, buried in the the sentences. It will be for us to rule them wisely. Yes. That's your warning sign right there. There. Yeah. We must secure their happiness and train them for ultimate freedom by setting them tasks for which their nature fits them. Mm Mm-hmm. So, sorry, he's not misunderstood. No. He's not a jokester. No. He's not a trickster. That statement right there, and I'll, I'll find it at some point where I got it. I, oh, he's at know. times a narcissist,
1: no. at times a sociopath, and at times he's, he's just.
0: Yeah, but, I, but the reason I wanted to bring that up is for the fan that's pounding their fist against the table. Yeah. Dance around that statement right there because yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna read it again. <laughs> the bulk of humanity, having no true will, will find themselves powerless. It will be for us to rule them wisely. We must secure their happiness and train them for ultimate freedom by setting them tasks for which their nature fits them.
1: Yes. So who
0: is us and who is them?
1: Yeah. Who if are you, the slaves and believe, who are the masters? If you believe
0: yeah. that you know this is all correct, then. Email me at O-T-H at seriouslydecent.com and say, this is who us is and this is who them is. Yeah. And if you can put some powerful uh, stuff behind that, I will fucking put you on a guest on the show and you can, you can educate us.
1: Right. (laughs) So the vampire demons was essentially when he got back to Scotland, Crowley informed the golden dawn that he was now it's new head and he got like. No response, no yeah. reply. Yeah. So Crowley determined that Mathers, who was one of the founders of the Golden Dawn, had launched a psychic attack against him. Yeah. And so he responded by summoning Beelzebub and his demons to attack in retaliation. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I mean, so. He, According to this, Mathers prepared himself for six months with magical procedures and rites in order to create a vampiric thought form, a, a demon, by channeling the power of Mars, the planet of war and aggression. Mathers entered a trance state and concentrated his will into the psychic vampire, which rose up, rose up from his solar plexus, and he ordered it to attack Crowley. However, he committed a grievous error in doing the sending himself. And magic apprentices are often used to do the sending for if anything goes amiss, the magic boomerangs back and it will be the apprentice who suffers and not the the master magician. Mm -hmm. It should be noted. Anytime that you read a book on uh, witchcraft or uh, Wicca, one of the big tenets of the magical practice is that whatever you do as a magical practitioner, so whatever you send out comes back to you threefold. Mm -hmm. So if you send negativity out in your spell work, if you're doing the dark arts and you're at the darker side of magic, everything that you're sending out is going to come back to you threefold. So if you're sending negative out, you're going to get negative back. Yeah. So... One of his biggest, uh, quote unquote, entities is Cronzen, and he came across he, well, he and uh, a an apprentice decided. Well, Crowley decided that he wanted to summon and master a demon. Mm -hmm. So in 1909, after he divorced Rose,
0: Rose, Crowley
1: began a homosexual relationship with poet Victor Newberg. And he, he, Victor, became an assistant in magic. Their most famous workings together took place in 1909 in the Desert of Algiers when they performed a harrowing conjuration of the demonic dweller of the abyss. Crowley was inspired to incorporate sex into the ritual, and he became convinced of the power of sex magic. By 1912, he was involved in the Ordo Templi Orientis sex magic occult order, and in 1922, he was invited to head the organization in Britain. He took the magical name Baphomet. Cronzen is a demon or spirit identified in the 16th century by John Dee and Edward Kelly rever um referred to him as Koronzon or 333 in his Enochian Enochian communication with the spirits. He did not consider Koronzon to be a demon. Crowley called him Kronzon the demon of dispersions and of the abyss. So the account is freaking crazy and it should be noted that it is not known whether the events were material meaning something actually happened actually or happened. simply visions. Yeah. So Crowley claimed to have mastered Cronzon to become a full master of the Temple of the Secret Chief. Again, he said he mastered this guy this demon which two other dudes are saying wasn't even a demon.
0: Yeah.
1: So the invo- the evocation was performed in November in 1909. Crowley and Newberg went to Algiers on holiday, walked south through the desert of Aumale, where Crowley was summoned by the voice of Iwas to, quote unquote, call me. He had with him the Enochian keys of Dean and Kelly, and he used that to communicate with um, angels and spirits, and he felt he had received a divine message to use them. So Crowley had successfully used the 19th key or call, the most difficult, to access two of the 30 atheers or heirs. These are levels or planes yeah. of expanded consciousness. And he decided to access the remaining uh, 28 ethers or levels. The two men went out into the desert to a mount to ascend it. To make the call, Crowley held a vermilion-painted Calvary cross with an engraved topaz set in its axis. The topaz was engraved with a rose of 49 petals. And when his clairvoyant visions unfolded, Crowley dictated to Newburgh, um, what he was seeing. And they performed one Athier a day, except for on one day when they performed two. They started with the last numbered Athier and they were working their way back toward the first. Mm-hmm. Most of Crowley's visions were apocalyptic in nature. In the 15th Athere, he underwent an initiation to the magical grade of Master of the Temple, a title a title that could be fully realized only by accessing the other Athers. However, Crowley experienced great difficulty in trying to access the next level, the 14th of the year. After making several attempts, he stopped. He and Newberg were on their way down to the mount when Crowley suddenly was seized by the inspiration to perform a homosexual magic ritual with Newberg and dedicate it to the Greek god of nature, Pan. They went back to the top of the mount and scribed it in the sand Um. They put a magic circle protected with the names and the words of power and made a crude stone altar. Crowley took the submissive role in the sexual act as a way of eliminating ego. And the ritual marked a turning point for him in his view of the importance of sex and magic. He now saw it as a beneficial sacrament. So the ritual also led to a breakthrough in consciousness for later that evening. Crowley gained access to the 14th Athir. In his vision, he was informed that in order to attain his cherished goal of becoming a secret chief and master of the temple, he had to undergo the complete death of his ego and unite his spirit with the Ocean of Infinity. Only this way could he cross the abyss, the gulf that separates ordinary mortals from the secret chiefs on the astral Mm -hmm. plane. Crowley was able to resume his explorations of the other ethers where he received revelation after revelation laden with symbolism. In the 11th ethere, he was told that the 10th ethere, uh would have to, in that 10th ethere, he would have to make a conscious crossing of the abyss. And he would have to be in- inhabited by a single entity, the demon Kronzon, the first and deadliest of all the powers of evil, a being composed of complete negation. So this ritual... For crossing the abyss took place on December 6th, 1909, outside the town of Bausada, Crowley and Newberg walked out into the desert until they found a valley that had suitable floor of fine sand. They formed a circle of rocks, drew around it a magic circle, and then a magic triangle. The demon would be invoked into the triangle. The circle would protect Newberg, who would sit within it, armed with a magical knife and a notebook for recording what happened. And this is important. Crowley intended to enter a triangle, a dangerous act for a magician, and he thus became perhaps the first magician in the Western magical tradition to offer his own body ritually as a vehicle for manifestation of a demon. Before the ritual, Newberg took an oath that he would defend the magic circle with thoughts and word and deeds and would use the knife to attack anything that entered it, even Crowley. Crowley was not in the triangle when he invoked the ethere, but was in a secret place out of sight and hearing of Newberg. After the invocation, Crowley entered the triangle to help the demon materialize. He sacrificed three pigeons at the points of the triangle and sprinkled their blood, taking care not to drip any of the blood outside the triangle, as this would enable Cronzon to manifest essentially out into the universe, into the world. When all the blood had soaked into the sand, he secretly re- recited the call of the Athier and he was in full trance. Newberg records that he heard a voice simulating Crowley's voice, call out barbarous names and then blasphemies. Visions appeared within the triangle. First, Newberg saw the form of a woman prostitute he had known in Paris. The quote unquote woman tried to seduce him, but Newberg resisted figuring it was Kronzon in a shape-shifted form. The quote-unquote woman then offered submission, which he also rejected. The demon next turned into Crowley, who begged for water. Newberg held fast within the circle. Newberg ordered Kronzon to declare his nature. The demon replied that he spat upon the name of the Most High. He was master of the triangle and had no fear of the pentagram. He gave Newberg words that the magician took as great secrets of magic, but later turned out to be worthless, a joke played by the demon. Newberg invoked Iwas. Kronzen said that he knew the name of the angel and that all thy dealings with him are but a cloak for thy filthy sorceries. So the point I'm I'm bringing in here is, Mm -hmm. one, they were tripping balls. They They were doing all these drugs so that they could get into their trance like state. Yeah. And then when Newberg is writing down what he's thinking are these great mystical secrets from this quote unquote demon, it turns out to be a bunch of nothing. Yeah. He literally got nothing. You wanna know why? Cause it was just Crowley. It's just him and Crowley. Yeah. So he just made up a bunch of shit. And well no I'm I'm not gonna go
0: work. I'm not gonna go with made up a bunch of stuff. I think this is what happens. This is something you're not going to understand because you've never done it. But like when you're under a hallucinogenic, mm-hmm. there's this part where you let go. Okay. So like, you know, when you're drunk, you you let go to a certain point, but you always feel like you kind of have a hand on the wheel when you're drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, some don't. Some just, you know, oh, I don't know. I blacked out at 2 a.m. Yeah. and I got home at 4. And it happens. But like hallucinogenics, like if you're if you're taking one at, say, 7 p.m., you know, especially like acid or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you're you're going to be on the road for about 10 hours, you know, eight, 10 hours straight. And there's a point where you realize you're gone. That's the trip. That's the the beginning of the trip where, you know, it's yeah, you're, you're kind of, you're just along for the ride. Now things mm-hmm. are happening. Now you have the ability to shape and move things around and you figure that out. And that's where like being older now and done it. And like, you know, you hear Rogan talk about DMT all the time. Right. And he thinks that this is just this pathway thing. It's like, dude, you're old enough now to know better. You know, apparently not. No, no. And apparently not, you know, and, and I don't mean to sound terribly dismissive about it but like you know there's that's why they always say like when you know you're tripping the first time you gotta be around cool people right because you, you know if you have a bad trip it's fucking terrible it's mm-hmm. terrifying But i think that's the thing that people that have done hallucinogenics they realize and it's true that there's a lot more to the mind that someone who was under hallucinogenics understands than someone who hasn't mm-hmm. there's this whole kind of it's a doorway. It's a pathway that you walk through and you realize that it's a a very deep end here and, mm-hmm. and you can really maneuver yourself into some really tricky waters. I've seen some of the most beautiful sunsets just come alive in front of me. Mm-hmm. I saw one that literally looked like an ocean and my mind made it like the clouds were waves rolling back and forth and it was freaking beautiful. It was mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I know I'll never duplicate it. Right. Even if I could take, it, and that's why those drugs get addicting. Because you're like, oh, I want to see that sunset again. Right. You're never going to see that sunset no. again. It's like that great night going out to the bar, drunk. Yeah. The problem is with alcoholism. is So you're chasing that. Forever you're chasing that great night and you might have two nights a year like that, Mm -hmm. but the rest of the nights fucking suck. You trip on the curb, you fall, you you know, you said the wrong thing to a girl and she smacks you in the face or you're dancing and your fucking heel breaks and you fall on your ass. Those are the average nights, right? You know, the cool night where everything lined up, that was once or twice. And I think with hallucinogenics, that's that problem too. So you have that night that just lined up. Perfect. It was a great trip. Everything went the way you wanted it. Right. Navigated it through. And when you get someone like Alistair here, who's a narcissist. Right. Um, who's got a in their mind a higher calling that they've only issued to themselves. Yes. No one else has granted yes. it to them. Because yes. let's be honest, anybody that's gotten in the wake of Alistair Crowley has been destroyed.
1: Yes. And there's I there's mean, no even this poor guy, this Victor yeah. Newberg. I mean, all right, so Crowley is making these bold statements like, oh, I'm the master of this now, and yeah. I do that now, and the only people who are, quote unquote, there to witness it, and even they don't know what they're seeing or what they're witnessing, yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah, no, he did that, because these people are just, they're into him at the time. Well, like, and, they are completely under his quote unquote spell, mm-hmm. but the spell is just his, the his spell, charisma.
0: No, the spell is the same thing around today. It's called peer pressure. Yeah. When you're in a group of 10 people and you're sitting to yourself saying this is a bunch of bullshit, but you see the other nine, like, isn't he great? Yeah. Isn't it amazing? You don't want to be that one person to be, most people don't. I'm that person. Yeah. I'm that person I could raise my hand up and be like, this is fucking bullshit.
1: Yeah. But I wouldn't have been but one of his There's uh, a lot
0: of people that and especially when you're in that deep. Yeah. Like the Abbey's a great example. Yes. The Abbey's a wonderful example of what he is completely capable of doing. Yes. Let's just say Left none of them. To his own devices. No, but that's I'm that's what he
1: came up with.
0: What I'm saying is is even you know, like the Abbey, in my opinion, is the peak of his existence of his story. Mm-hmm. I think his, that's
1: when his party peaks.
0: Well, that's his peak. And I, again, I know there's other fanatics that are pounding their fist on the table, but the fact is, it's like even, okay, I'll even admit, say he didn't do anything with the animals. Say there wasn't any kind of sacrifices. Right. Say there wasn't yeah. any kind of thing. The, the most that happened in that room is people got so just screwed up and addicted to drugs and it ruined their lives.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And that's all of them. Mm -hmm. there's no success story that came out of the abbey not even alistair no because shortly after that was when everything went downhill for him yes you know and that's when he was in the boarding house yeah and um you know i mean you really gotta ask yourself was he a wise old man or was he fucking crazy heroin addict in a boarding house at that point and this goes back to what you were talking about. When you give out, you get back threefold. Yes. And I think his story is a great example of that philosophical view of giving out and getting back. Mm-hmm. This guy ended up dying alone. Yes. Literally alone. There Broke. was no one around him Broke when he alone. died. Yeah. They all want to say that, you know, he had these these last words and all that stuff. But nobody can confirm it because he literally did die alone. Yeah, and and broke, penniless. Yeah. addicted to drugs. Yeah, I mean, this is the ending. That's the that's the end story. Yeah, you can't you can't paint that another way. No. You can't put it another this way.
1: Supposed but... all powerful magician mm-hmm. couldn't
0: save himself.
1: Couldn't get it together for himself.
0: Couldn't save himself. No. You yeah. Know,
1: he couldn't save himself. Everything
0: that he created, everything that he put, like the whole you know, the the will of, you know, like Do what
1: thou wilt shall do be. Do what the whole that of will should be,
0: you know, to find your true self. Yes. He couldn't find any of that. No. None he, of it.
1: Yeah. Or he did find his true self and it wasn't what he thought it was supposed to be. Or it was a monster. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Or he
0: let himself because I think you can This is where I hate the whole true self, like find your true self thing, Mm -hmm. because I think you can go down a road that you think is your true self. Right. You know, for example, someone who's really heavy into depression, Mm -hmm. it's either a chemical imbalance or it's just the way they perceive life that they've just done it their whole life and they don't know any better. Right. And I'll give a a great example of that that has nothing to do with depression. I I have a tremor disorder I've had my whole life. Mm Mm-hmm. And I always just was so razor sharp on the neurological end. Mm -hmm. And I went to a doctor. I got treated. It helped a lot. Then I noticed as I got older, started wearing down a little bit. It creeps back up on occasion. Mm -hmm. And even when I'm working, people are like, oh, you okay? You nervous? And I'm used to it my whole life. You know, I'm like, no, I got this tremor disorder. But then I found something out literally like in the last month or two. And it was when I was practicing guitar Mm -hmm. and I noticed like, When I'm just doing regular things on guitar that I know, my hands are pretty good. They're not Mm -hmm. bad. But if I'm doing something new that I haven't done before or I'm practicing something new, my hands will start shaking. Yeah. And I realize what the fuck I've been doing. And I've been doing this my whole life. I hold my breath. Mm -hmm. I hold my breath because I'm concentrating so much. Yeah. That I forget to breathe. Mm -hmm. And it makes my hands shake more. So that has nothing to do with neurology. It's no chemical imbalance. It's no nothing. It's just something that I didn't realize I was doing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see a lot of things with depression where everybody, it's an illness. It's this, it's that. I came from depression. So those of you who are going to sit here and say, no, I had suicidal thoughts. I had a plan. I had... Yeah, I was agoraphobic at one point in my house because of the tremor and depression where I never left my house. And this is the thing with agoraphobia. If you're outside of your house and you say you're agoraphobic, you're, you're not. not
1: agoraphobic. You're not agoraphobic. Yeah.
0: Trust me. The idea of leaving the house as an agoraphobic is dying. Yeah, It's literally dying. You just don't leave. Right. And I was that for months until my friends were just like, dude, you got to get out and live. You got to start Doing shit with your life, you know, and and then that's where I realize that it, you get stuck in your own lane, and you don't think about any other option because you're like, "This is all I know." Yeah, this is adulthood. Yeah, for people that are growing up, it, this is what adulthood is. Is you, it's up to you now to change your shit. There's no
1: no person that's gonna come and do shit. that.
0: Yeah, so if you're depressed don't get me wrong, it could be a chemical imbalance. It could be some trauma that you had or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're not perceiving things correctly. Mm -hmm. If you look in the mirror and that's all you see is an ugly person, you've trained yourself to see an ugly person in the mirror, whether you like it or not. What you have to do is figure out what's beautiful about you. Right. And sometimes it's not the eyes that you're so focused on. Right. Maybe you just got a jawline that just fucking crushes it, you know. I, but I'm just saying, yeah. like that's that's what you look at, and 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 in this here, that's where I think he just went through his life thinking more of himself, and this is what drugs do. Yeah. Drugs light that fuel in your Oh yeah, you are something more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're everything you think you are. And more. And more. Mm-hmm. But only to you. Right. And that gets back to what I'm saying with the story with you. It's yeah. like, this was all him. Yeah. The other guy is just like, yeah, no, I didn't see anything. Yeah. I didn't witness anything. I didn't, you know, but you talk to Crowley, you know. Yeah. He was all in it because his trip was different than this other guy's trip. Right. Yeah. And and that's where I I find it just interesting. I mean, basically, he was really good at destroying people's egos.
1: He was also good at destroying their lives. No, but that's. He un- left a wake behind him.
0: To destroy someone's life, you have to destroy their ego. Mm-hmm. And I, that's where I pinpoint, that's where that statement of mine comes mm-hmm. from, where I just, he was really good at that. I think people today that really dig him, and trust me, I dig him just as a person that has gone through life, mm-hmm. but the people that want to put him on a, a deity type thing or just, you know, think that he was really this great guy and this, uh, you know, he was just a jokester. He's misunderstood, you know, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. You don't understand Crowley. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't understand him. You know, I do type of thing. Um, sure you do. I think it's just people really want it. Those types of people want to see a watered down version of him. And I they say again.
1: They see what they want to see. No,
0: and I say again. Yeah. If you think you're not that person and you think you know, read that poem, Leah sublime. Yeah. Read that poem. And after that realize that a human being had to come up with all those ideas. Yes. And, and some of those, like the degrading of women in that poem. And you know, that shit just bothers the living fucking shit out of me. And, and that's where like that guy to write all of that and Mm -hmm. have all that degrading. Like if it was someone you didn't like wrote that poem, would you give that same person the same respect you're giving him? Yes. That's
1: would you give them the same pass?
0: Yeah, the same pass, the same yep. the same free thing. If it was someone you didn't like and you read that, yes. would you use that as evidence against their character? Or would you give them a free or pass? Or would you and simply
1: say, just say it's no, not their character? No, it's, it's a poem. Art.
0: It's a poem, it's art. Yeah, exactly. And that's where bullshit. No, and that's the whole Aleister Crowley magnetism. In a nutshell. Yeah. Last thing I found interesting researching this was the tarot cards. hmm Because when we did our tarot, tarot card yeah. uh, episode, we briefly spoke about we his. We did. We uh, did. The Thoth. The
1: Thoth, yes. And,
0: and uh, I remember seeing them, and they were beautiful cards. They
1: are, they are cool-looking cards.
0: But, of course, what I read, and this is just typical Aleister Crowley stuff, he wasn't even into tarot before that. No. He didn't even want to do tarot. No, he was and wasn't, against tarot. Didn't
1: he like change the the meaning of the cards so, and everything? So
0: then this woman he was with, and I'm sorry I don't have the exact information of it, but we're wrapping this up and I wanted yeah. to include this in here. Uh the a woman he was with drew the art for those cards.
1: Good honor. So
0: it was her well, it's kind of the same thing as the weight rider yeah. deck. You know, yeah. I mean, he didn't draw that. That was a a a, Another, a woman yeah. who who drew that. And uh they're the unsung you know, they're the unsung like heroes, I guess you could say of these two types of what are probably the two most popular tarot cards Definitely. in existence uh as far as the hardcore ones. Yeah. And and you have these two female which I would love to do like an episode of just those two female stories. How, the female artists, yeah, they yeah. were behind these these very popular decks that these men, yeah, have occupied, but the funny part was he didn't even want anything to do with it, yeah, which is different than weight, right like weight was all about it, but so he just again threw himself into that and came up with different interpretations. There's some more cards in there, yeah, you know there yeah. it's not he, the typical uh, uh deck and, there
1: was a lot of like the um tarot purist there's a lot of backlash on it because he changed the meanings of virtually every card yeah like he flipped it upside down and he just like he does just yeah. winged it and just made it his own thing and the whole point of the tarot is it followed like there's this road map yeah you know the the sun means this every Mm -hmm. single time the wheel means this every single time and then based on the art you can do your interpretations to expand on that major that major idea that major theory he's just like nah it means this
0: oh yeah no and i mean and and that's the thing is like i get the appeal because there's some people that would look at that and be like that's genius. You know what I'm saying? Like there's
1: fuck the establishment. Yeah.
0: There's the, the anti, yeah, whatever, you know, Anarchy. like, no, there's just that anti, uh, personality trait that would bond with that. Yeah. And I get that. But the fact is, is like the, the people that are way behind those tarot cards and deep into them, they're like, Oh yeah, no, they're it's so deep. And like, and they act like he was just totally hundred percent invested in it invested in the whole idea of it it's like no he hated tarot cards before that two
1: shits it's not like
0: he hated the idea of doing a tarot card deck he hated tarot cards yeah he hated the whole idea of it Mm -hmm. and then i think again getting into this is really the the mind of a narcissist a woman was like well look i've got these this is the art i'm looking to do or and all this that. is the art I've done. And this he's is the like, art I've done. Hey, no. Cards. And he's probably, you know what? I could get a whole bunch of people on board with that. Yeah. Boom. Done. Yeah. All right. I'll figure it out. He
1: probably needed more money for more heroin. Well, so he no. Was like, who knows? Works.
0: Who knows? But he just, oh, I'll figure it out and, yeah. you, you know, get tweaked up or or just put himself alone in yep. a room and figure it out. That's the story of the tarot cards. It's like, it's not like That's he-
1: That's his fucking
0: story. No, just and that's what I'm saying. out in a room like,
1: and just coming up with shit. Like,
0: each of these stories have the same common denominator of it. and Yeah. But, but, like I said, in his lifetime, I would really, again, if someone's pounding the table and it's just against all, again, show me someone who benefited other than Jimmy Page.
1: <laughs> Jimmy you Page know. was only using it for the... One album they were working on. Oh, and- no, but
0: he moved into his old manor, Jimmy Page did, the the Bolskine House. He owned and that it doubles until as 1990. A, yeah, doubles as a museum of uh, Th- Thalamic memorabilia. First editions of his books have become prize collector items, and they have. They really, really have. It's. I, I find it interesting that you have someone who's into drugs, way into sex, and... His prime belief is, yeah, in order to cross the plane, you got to be... Fucked up. You got to be having sex while high. Yeah. Like, I'm going to break... Again, I'll break it down to the common denominator. Like, it's amazing that someone who was too addicted to drugs... Yeah. And a, and a sexual... We'll call he it was a sexual... A, he was
1: a sexual sadist, but I also think he was a sex addict. Oh, that's like, what I think. What I, think. Ha- he I had, think he was addicted to yep. sex.
0: I think he was addicted to drugs yes and and this is the life that those two things brought him yeah in a nutshell Mm -hmm. like if i had to sum up alistair crowley in one statement that's how i'm doing it i i literally have it written down here yeah it's i he he was a sexual addict he was you know addicted to sex addicted to drugs and that life brought him all of this stuff yeah because I honestly think if he didn't have those two things and his dad stayed alive, I'm not saying he would have done the same thing. I'm not saying what he would would have done, but I don't think he would have done all he
1: of this. I think he would have been on a different path.
0: Well, I if, don't know, but I just, I know.
1: Yeah. I think if know. he had had his father for a little bit longer, say until he was like, 18 as a guy who
0: as a guy who lost access to his father at at 13 at a young age which is really the same age as him Mm -hmm. and and I'm not saying you know my dad fortunately didn't die right but I lost access to him for my whole teenage years right it's hard to grow up as a boy Mm -hmm. without a male figure in there now Mm -hmm. fortunately for me I had families come in and kind of take me in you that did have male figures. have male figures and I had my grandfather but that's where I kind of have this um interest in reading his because I look and it's like yeah I wonder you know if I didn't have all that and I just had myself yeah and I tell you this all the time I mean if I just had myself being freaking prisoner dead somewhere. right yeah and and so this is where his quote-unquote not watered-down story, but his real story makes sense to a guy like me. Yeah. Like, I can't come up with excuses for him because I look at my life and say, if you were to take all of that out, I don't see where I'd be different than that. Right. You know, or worse. So, unfortunately, well, fortunately, we're going to wrap this up. but yes. But we could do this, literally, for ever yeah and i just want to note that article
1: i had on jimmy page yeah yes he owned the home and he owned it for 20 years but he hired a high school friend yeah to live in the home for the 20 years that
0: yeah he owned it yeah yeah yeah. he
1: didn't it's not like he lived there he was going to feature it in their documentary the song remains the same yeah um and i mean i think there were maybe a couple scenes. Well, and there was one other documentary
0: it. where they were getting all through it and they just couldn't they couldn't wrap it up. Yeah. That had nothing to do with Jimmy Page. But like I said, if if you're really passionate against a lot of the things we're saying, I please contact us. Let I don't us know think your, those
1: people are here. Let us know if your I'm being sources. Honest. I hope not. Yeah.
0: But if so, like I said, I want to have a platform where people can talk about this stuff. Right. You know, and like I said, if if you disagree with a lot of this, or you think we're really in the or wrong, way with it, off base, or misrepresenting, you know this man, please contact us and and like I said, bring your source. Don't just yeah blab shit.
1: I don't want your believees. No, I want no. some sort of verifiable yeah source.
0: So to um. Move on to this. Move on from this light topic and go to another light topic. We're
1: doing our first cult.
0: Cult of the Month cult Club. Cult of
1: the Month Club. Who
0: is the first one in the Cult of the Month Club?
1: Your first cult delivery is Nexium. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Nexium. If you haven't heard of Nexium.
1: Holy shit. Get
0: ready. As Jen would say.
1: Buckle up. Buckle up. Yeah.
0: I think we got to have that as part of the vote a mug for that the should horror. that should I technically be our first have, piece of well merch. i think all the, all the horror merch we're gonna have buckle up we're gonna have uh, <laughs> some other things but
1: we should have t-shirts that say make good choices make good
0: choices buckle up you know yeah. or for
1: the love of god make good choices because <laughs> that is my favorite
0: and no ouija boards but the uh yeah nexium nexium uh oh
1: speaking of ouija boards yeah Alistair Crowley, who was open to every fucking thing in the world, get was out like, here. "No, nope." Yeah, he's like, "You wouldn't open your door without knowing who's on the other side of yeah. it." So why would you? Why would you open a portal to yeah. let any and everything out?
0: Ixne on the Ouija boards for Alistair. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is a guy who get cranked out on coke and heroin. He'd be like, and say, why did
1: not you have sex with a goat? And then I can sacrifice it right when it gets to orgasm.
0: And let's see what that brings out. And let's and see what that does. Yeah, but he's but saying, you, no. No Ouija boards. No Ouija boards. What are you fucking crazy? Which,
1: <laughs> no Ouija boards is rule number one. I know. So, I mean, it is weird that we, we kind have of that, agree with we Alistair have that pal- on that one we thing. We have that parallel. We do. Well, there's a few
0: things, you know. I, I just went with some of the stuff, you know. Like Got it. I I get it. I do. I get it. But uh, I don't agree with it. But yeah, Nexium. That's uh, a cult that was based out of the capital region in New York State in the yeah. United States.
1: You know, because we bring you nothing but the best.
0: Well, and of course, we brought this one out first because uh, we actually without knowing yeah lived <laughs> literally around the corner from a place where they hung out and we will get into that next we week will. in great detail we will and um and I have some also some personal stories of yeah of of the cult I didn't attend anything I didn't join
1: you didn't do any of their uh workshops I
0: didn't do any workshops you didn't workshops. do any of the classes no, no but I I did bump into people that were yeah. part of okay. it okay at their early steps so yes that is the first cult of the cult of the month yep and uh again the light topics are are getting bumped up a bit yeah we're uh we're gonna do a cult every single month
1: yeah so if you've got a cult that's a favorite exactly and you'd like us to feature it yeah Please.
0: Well and drop that's, us a line. Drop at us O T
1: H at seriouslydecent.com. Yeah,
0: drop a line until I get the distribution uh list for the thing newsletter set up yeah. for the newsletter. Uh which is not out yet, but I have some time off this week, and uh we're gonna we're gonna make sure we can have that for next week. So with that being said, rule number one
1: No Ouija boards.
0: Number two no dolls. Three. No
1: capes, four, no blood rituals, five, no cults. Titanic or otherwise i mean unless it's the cult of the month club and then i mean you know and then it's just lightly yeah. that's it. no apathy you've got to act to bring a positive change in the world and it's not through sex magic no. shocker
0: no. No, just, or drugs just do a kind thing of helping somebody out right. that's all small moves jen has to pee dean has to eat He's so way late. with all that being said have a wonderful day Have a wonderful week.
1: Please, please make good choices.
0: Take care.